This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Rotowire's Hockey Podcast Show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. On today's pod, we're going to talk about the 16th week of the NHL season, and as always, our aim is to identify the most added and dropped players, as well as the new roster opportunities and storylines around each of the 31 clubs. The odd thing about this week, of course, is the All-Star Game is in Tampa, which is only a 30-minute drive from where I'm holidaying currently, and in season-long head-to-head play, that means a two-week period for your game instead of the usual seven-day span. I've got my first round of golf under my belt in AJ a couple of days ago, and I'm feeling pretty happy today. How about you? Well, it's still cold and snowy up here. Uh, in Wisconsin, unfortunately, we don't have uh, quite the climate that you're enjoying down in Florida right now, but uh, can't complain too much. You know, it's it's that time of year. It's supposed to be cold and snowy. It'd, it'd be weird if it wasn't. So uh, that's just uh, part of living uh, north, uh, <laughs> up north here. I'm sure you'll uh, have plenty of snow and cold weather to go back to eventually whenever Whenever we pry you away from Florida, I'm not sure we're going to be able to. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but, my, uh, wife's, my wife's looking around and talking to realtors. I'm I'm a little nervous. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, AJ, go ahead and do the promo for our uh, questions and answers and things. Absolutely. Well, before uh, yeah, as Paul said, before we go on to the rest of the show, just a reminder that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general. Feel free to tweet at us. Uh, we'll try and answer those questions throughout the week. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, partner, let's get through the 31 teams and pick out a storyline or two where we'll highlight a number of circumstances that evolved, just as we said we would. We're getting a lot of things right, AJ, over the course of the season. <laughs> and one of the things that we talked about was Ryan, uh, the, Rickard Raquel on the Anaheim Ducks. He's the fortunate guy that's uh, uh, seeing the reunion of Perry and Getzlaff firsthand as their line mate on the left side. And I wouldn't have picked him as the club's leading scorer, but there he is at the top of the ladder. So uh, kind of a surprise element to their offense. But uh, he he was a pretty good secondary scorer for much of his time 
uh, in his career, but now he's getting frontline minutes and uh, the rewards are there, certainly offensively. On defense, again, we picked uh, Manson and Montour to emerge among the blue liners, and they certainly have. They're now the leading scorers on the, the club's defense. So we've got a lot of things right here in Anaheim, and a lot of things are going right for the Anaheim club of late. Well, I think Raquel's only going to be the leading scorer for a little while longer. You look at games played, he's been in all 43, while Ryan Getzlaff had that injury. He's only played in 24, and yet Getzlaff has 28 points, just seven behind Raquel. So he's going to chase him down at some point. Uh, the one guy I thought, uh, you know, if you if you knew ahead of time that Getzlaff was going to have an injury, that Perry was going to miss a little bit of time, if I was going to pick somebody from this team to be the leading scorer, I would have gone Jakob Silverberg in that circumstance. Now he's got 23 points, certainly doing just fine, but I would have expected a little bit more production out of him. And I really think he uh, should have been the top line guy getting the assignment with Perry and Getzlaff, uh, but he hasn't done uh, what he needed to, to earn that spot. And so Raquel gets it instead. Uh, so I think uh, uh, a great spot for him to be in, a great player to take, but Getzlaff uh, very soon should be the leading scorer on this team once again. And over in Arizona, look, they had a game last night, uh, so they got some some legs up on some of the other teams getting an early start this week if you had anybody in their, your lineup there. Jason Demers led all the Yotes with three points last week. He's playing with uh, Oliver Ekman Larson now, and that certainly helps his cause. And in goal, Antti Ranta has proven himself this year and is in a groove right now. Before last night's game, only 12 goals against in his last six starts. So his game's in order, and he's one guy who's made the transition as a backup goalie to a frontline starter. And uh, there may be a couple of guys that follow suit this offseason that we'll talk about later in this show. Well, and the move uh, has clearly worked out so far for Richard, uh, Richard Panic. He's got four assists in his six games with Arizona. Hasn't gotten that first goal yet, but... Uh, I'm not concerned at all. That should be coming in short order. He's getting the first line assignment uh, that, you know, we expected he would now that he's with this team playing with Derek Stepan, uh, Brendan Perlini on the other end. I think that left wing spot could change periodically. Uh, but I think at this point you can consider Stepan and panic your locks on the, on that top line right now. Uh, it's clicking for panic. And so I expect that first Arizona goal to be right around the corner. And uh, Boston Bruins, boy, oh boy, what can you say? We're, we're waiting for them to actually lose the game in regulations. It's been a long, long time. They're 12-0-4 in their last 16 games and now find themselves only three points back of Tampa, a club that's reeling, and we'll get into their story a little later. The, the Bruins have a game in hand on them too, so that's almost a virtual tie considering they were 14 points behind the Bolts only a few weeks ago. And Patrice Bergeron has been uh, the flat out the most productive scorer in the past month, the entire league. To lead this charge, he has 14 points, AJ, in his last eight games. The best line in the NHL with Pasternak and Marchand is there and flying right now. And save for the illness to Kevin Millar on defense, this team is totally healthy and right now firing on all cylinders. As a Leaf fan and a guy who expects his team to face them in the first round possibly, I have to hope this team is peaking early. Well, Paul, I hate, I hate to correct you here, but uh, the, you must have missed it enjoying the time on the beach. But we got Charlie McAvoy is actually going to be out for two weeks uh, with an abnormal heart rhythm. So that's going to hurt their blue line uh, a little bit here over the next two weeks. But they they should get Miller back from that uh, um, from that illness. And so they'll recover, I'm sure, uh, in the meantime. Now, McAvoy is not going to be easily replaced. Five goals, 20 assists. Six of those points coming on the power play. 
so it'll be tough to replace him over the next few weeks, but they've got plenty of guys to do it. I think this team will be just fine and should continue rolling even with him sidelined. The Sabres are on a West Coast trip, and uh, they played last night. Benoit Pouliot is a guy, though, AJ, who's, he blew an opportunity playing on the top line. This guy's a pending UFA, and now he finds himself potentially lining up to get a seat in the press box. So things going south for, for a guy who was a one-way player at best and really blew a chance to really uh, boost his uh, profile around the league but didn't do himself any favors. Instead, Zemgis Gergensens is now on the first line left wing with, with Eichel. And I think now they're going to give the young players a real good look here the rest of the way. Uh, Sam Reinhardt also is uh, on the second line here after one goal and two assists last week, finally showing some offensive punch in what has been a dismal season to date. I think they give the young guys a lot of, uh, of uh, quite a burst the rest of the way here to get the auditions going for next season. Absolutely agree. Uh, you know, another guy that uh, probably will feature more is going to be Scott Wilson. Uh, he was a healthy scratch periodically after coming over from Detroit, uh, from Pittsburgh before that. Uh, guys moved around a bunch this year, but he should get an expanded role. Uh, and I'm, I have to wonder if the trade rumors are, are finally getting to Evander Kane, no goals in his last seven games, just one assist to show for it. Still putting pucks on net, 22 shots on goal, uh, dishing out 10 hits over that stretch as well. So still finding ways to contribute. Um, but you just have to wonder if it's starting to, to wear on him to see, you know, is he going to play out the season in Buffalo. Are they going to move them, which I think they should, uh, or, you know, maybe they're going to get them to agree to an extended contract. I'd be a little surprised if that happened, but it's certainly not out of the question either. And in Calgary, they lost uh, that home game against Buffalo last night. And one of the guys that tried to fight back on their behalf is Garnet Hathaway. He earned a look. He's earned a look on the third line uh, promoted from the fourth unit and has improved his shots on goal rate in recent rates. He had a recent games. He had a couple of shots on goal, three hits last night, so was as in, more involved than most of their front-line players even. So that's the kind of thing he has to do to elevate his profile. And if he ever gets into that top six role, it might be worth a look in, uh, as a long-shot player in uh, tournament-type play for DFS. Now, in goal, AJ, I'm going to keep harping on this. Mike, Mike Smith, Come on, AJ, send me that dollar. Right? He's having a great year, undefeated uh, before last night's game. Six goals, uh, six games uh, before last night, only 10 goals against. And last night, it was a 2 1 win for Buffalo. So he's done his part to hold the fort and, and more. And uh, I'm just a little disappointed that you haven't come on board the train yet. Well, I, I, I got to see how it plays out the rest oh of the season. There's, there's still a long way to go, uh, still a lot of season left. Um, but I will say he he has already reached a 20 win mark, something he hasn't done since the 13-14 season when he was with the Phoenix Coyotes as opposed to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, so he has gotten uh, to that threshold just the third time in his career, actually, he's reached that mark. So uh, I may have to pony up and send that dollar your way, but I'm certainly not going to do it before the end of the regular season. Oh, oh my God. We have a video presentation. Our <laughs> listeners won't believe it. I think you're squeezing that dollar way too tight. <laughs> my my next uh, the next team we want to cover is the Carolina Club. Uh, it's improving as we've been talking about all year, and one of the reasons why is Elias Lindholm. This guy's numbers have been steadily increasing. He's one of those players who just improves a little bit every year. 
and he's got first line minutes on the right wing, on pace for a career year with a high, very high shoot scoring percentage. Though his shot rate is down a little bit from last year. If he can get that shot rate up, who knows where where his ceiling might be? Uh, on defense, Justin Falk is a guy. I would be targeting in trade talks if in uh, fantasy play. His shot rate is back up of late, and and yet his the points have not come his way. This guy is a top scoring defenseman, AJ, and I just think if he keeps getting this kind of ice time, this many shots on goal, uh, it shows he's involved in the play, and the pucks have got to start going in more than they have. He's just too good an offensive talent, and I think there's an upside here that's untapped. Well, I'm sure Carolina fans really wish they could move over to the Atlantic Division. You look at where they're at, uh, 50 points on the season. That's not terrible when you look at the rest of the league, uh, but that puts them in eighth place in the Metropolitan. Guess what? It would be fourth place if they were in the Atlantic Division, and they'd be right in contention for a potential playoff spot. Uh, not to say that they aren't. Uh, you look at the the top wild card in, in the East uh, is 53 points, so they are right there uh, in the hunt, but it's just uh, so very interesting how dominant the Metropolitan has been, how much parity there seems to be in, in that division. When you look at the Atlantic and it's Tampa, Boston, Toronto, that's pretty much it. Yes, Detroit is still in it. Florida's still in it. Montreal's still in it. But it's just so top heavy in the Atlantic compared to the Metropolitan that uh, Carolina would fare significantly better if they uh, were not uh, stuck in the Metro. And then, uh, boy, oh, boy, things are going south in Chicago. We haven't said that in a long, long time. Maybe in the history of our show, AJ. They, they got shut out by a Tampa team that's just been decimated by a couple of key injuries. And uh, Andrew Vasilevsky did the trick there last night. High shots on goal total for the Hawks, but they just couldn't dent his armor. And then to make matters worse, at the other end of the ice, it's been revealed that Corey Crawford is out indefinitely with post-concussion syndrome. This team still wants to compete, so a goalie trade is very, very likely. But uh, what's happened to the offense of late is a little bit of a concern, too. One guy who's risen about some of the, uh, above some of the offensive difficulties is Nick Schmaltz, and he's suddenly second on the team scoring. That's something that nobody forecast. And I like the fact that he's playing with Patrick Kane and Hartman filling out a second line, and that makes uh, Hartman a guy that is a player to watch because Schmaltz and Kane are certainly going. It's a matter of time before Hartman, Hart, Hartman gets caught up in the wake there. So a good guy to target in the Chicago uh, lineup. Well, maybe I'm just stubborn, but I'm, I'm not ready to spell out the demise of the Chicago Blackhawks quite yet. Uh, you look at they just got Artem Anisimov back last night. Uh, no points, but just 15 minutes of ice time, uh, 15 and a half rather. They're easing him back in. I mean, almost six minutes of that ice time was on the power play. So it's clear they kind of just wanted to ease him uh, back into the lineup after that 10 game absence. Once he starts going, I don't think he's going to replace Nick Schmaltz on that uh, second line center role. I think Schmaltz has really uh, cemented himself there. But Anisimov could move in, uh, say, to a wing spot or, you know, he's kind of just getting back. He's playing with Alex DeBrincat right now, Ryan Hartman. Uh, and so there's some adjustment time, I think, that'll need to be happen here. I'm not totally uh, ditching the Blackhawks, but I do think you make a great point. Jeff Glass is not going to be the guy to go for them the rest of the way, nor would Anton Forsberg either. Uh, if they want to kind of put everything together and make a playoff run here like they always seem to do, uh, they do need to shore up that, that uh, net mining situation. 
In Colorado, look, I got a good look at this team. They played the Leafs, and despite the fact I'm down here in Florida, I'm catching the home club's hockey games still. They have a 10-game win streak underway, and during that 10 games, they've only been behind in one of those games. That was for a minute and a half last night, AJ. So they've strung together 10 victories, and Jonathan Bernier has been in, in the nets for nine of them. Uh, Varlamov, for his part, the, the presumptive number one, is scheduled to return after the All-Star break. I see one of these guys moving pretty soon, AJ, as they still have Andrew Hammond in reserve. He's probably going to get the starting in Montreal tonight because that's unlikely they'll put Bernier in for back-to-backs. And uh, up front, Dominic Toninato is a guy that the Leafs picked up a few years ago, and he played U.S. college at Minnesota Duluth, and uh, I think he's worth consideration. He's got a chance on the second line. They're giving him a chance to, to show his offensive skills. That's what this guy's been known about. Uh, known for in the college game and I expect if he gets a little bit longer look there he might be a sneaky good pick uh, down the stretch here in in Colorado all things pointing up for this team and uh, again he's a guy that might get caught up in the wake of all the success they're having yeah I think it was interesting uh, reading what Nathan McKinnon had to say about uh, a complete change of culture when Matt Duchesne left Uh, I it it has this undertone of somehow Duchesne was a problem there. Uh, and it's hard to really fault that, that decision. I mean, this team was very, very bad last year, uh, with Duchesne in the fold. Now he's not. And suddenly they're right in contention, not just for a wild card spot in the Western conference. I mean, they could compete in the, in the central division right now for an actual, uh, you know, the third spot, second or first is probably out of the question Winnipeg and Nashville I just think are a class above the rest of the central but if Chicago continues to struggle uh, the Blues have been down of late and so they could sneak into that third spot they have to beat out Dallas Minnesota as well but uh, I, I think it's very interesting what McKinnon the fact that McKinnon even went so far to say it and uh, you know the fact that it's it, the proof is in the pudding Yeah, there's a lot there. I'll make one more point, too, about the goaltending situation. Interesting to watch what happens tonight in the Nets there. If they do spell Bernier, I'd like to see how how the the backup does fare. Hammond has been in the NHL before, and Bernier, for his part, AJ, when he was in Toronto, he didn't fare very well working in tandem with somebody else. But when when the backup was hurt and he ran with the ball, he had success. He's a guy that doesn't like looking over his shoulder, and that might be a, a situation to keep an eye on the goaltending mix there. In Columbus, Boone Jenner is on an eight-game scoreless streak. Uh, it's been a while since you know, that's happened to him. Despite an average of three shots on goal, he's way overdue. Uh, he's doing all everything but put the puck in the net, and I think that's got to change. I think back to our season preview two, though, when I noted... Uh, his teammate Felino uh, in the boomer bust pattern one year off and one year on and we actually talked about that I remember in the preseason and this year certainly seems to be that off year uh, last year was the boom and this year certainly has been a bust he's playing third line minutes right now and just not things are not going right for him either yeah absolutely agree uh, and it's telling that they claimed a guy like UC Jokinen off waivers uh, to add him now I, I like uh, kind of the grit uh, that UC Jokinen can add to a team. Even at 34 years old, I think he can still contribute. He's certainly not a 60-point player anymore uh, like he was in 15-16, but I, I do think he was kind of miscast in Edmonton. Uh, obviously, his time in L.A. didn't work out real well either. This might be a, a decent fit for him, uh, a John Tortorella coach club that's going to play with a little more grit 
uh, I think could suit him well. Um, but it is just interesting and shows how they've been struggling lately. The fact that they had to bring him in. I think the one good thing you can look at is Cam Atkinson spent some time in practice, albeit non-contact Jersey. Uh, and so maybe they could get him back probably not, uh, before the break, I would guess it'll probably be after, um, but he's getting close. And if they can get him back into the lineup, that'll be a real, uh, boost as well for this team. And, and maybe they can kind of turn things around. They've, they've really stagnated of late. They haven't been bad. They haven't been good. Just kind of so, so gliding through. Well, one team that's been better than that is the Dallas Stars. They're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, AJ. And last week, or a couple of weeks ago, we said uh, Jason Spezza would eventually catch fire. And he has right now. He had uh, four points in his last three games, playing second-line center role. And my focus now is on taking a look at his wingers, Matthias Janmark and Drew Shore, uh, who should see their numbers rise, given that they're both playing with the veteran playmaker and he makes things when he's making things happen offensively he brings up the the play of his line mates in a big way uh, they also have a va- very valuable chip in the nets with Carrie Lipman who's played very well in a backup role and will certainly be marketable before the trade deadline I wonder if there's a fit between their division rivals the Hawks uh, over there but uh, they, they certainly have other options to move them around the league and then on defense you have to give it up for John Klingberg, he's opened up a very nice lead among the scoring, in the scoring race among NHL defensemen, and yet he doesn't seem to get the props that some of the other top defenders are getting. He's playing very, very well, scoring a lot of points, and really manning an offense that's in high gear right now. Well, you want to talk about a guy that's scoring a lot of points. You have to look at, at Alexander Radulov. I know we've talked about him in weeks past, but 15 points in his last 10 games. Uh, four of those coming on the power play. He's easily going to blow out of the water. I think his career high is uh, he had 58 in 0708 before uh, heading over to Europe for a little bit. Uh, he's got 18 goals, needs just eight more to reach his goal total. Uh, and like I said, 44 points this year so far has to just get to 59. I think that's certainly in, in the offing as well. So he's having what will be a career year for him. And I think has really fit in well on this top line. Uh, I was a little concerned when we heard this contract over the summer, five year, 31.5 million for a guy that's, uh, you know, had a great season last year and has shown a ton of potential, but seems to always somehow decide to head over back overseas. Um, but it seems to be working. Seems like that contract's actually going to be a bargain if he continues to produce at this level. Well, one guy that's really producing right now uh, for Detroit is uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. I had a note on him before we even started uh, prepping for this show and before last, last night's game. He scored another goal, so he's got five points now in his last four games and is seeing a prominent role in the power play, too. And so that's great news for one of the young guys that they've nursed along for a couple of years. But they've also got to be expecting an offensive surge from Gustav Nyquist. I think this is a guy who has more talent than anybody on this roster, and that's not to slight any of the other guys here. But I think he's a very gifted talent. He's back in a top-six role, and uh, good enough for me to watch right now, particularly since he's lining up with with, uh, Henrik Zetterberg, and uh, and they're not getting first-line minutes, so he's avoiding opposers' top uh, checking from the opposing lineup so I keep an eye on him in the next few weeks if I were looking for some help on the offense well another thing to keep an eye on is going to be the goaltending situation right when you think it's pretty much short up Jimmy Howard's got it the right you know locked down Peter Morazic throws up back-to-back shutout performances 
27 saves against Chicago on January 14th, 37 saves last night in the win. Now Howard will probably get the start tonight just because they are going into the back-to-back. But Mrazek suddenly making it interesting on the injury front. It's possible they're going to get Luke Glendening back tonight. They could get Justin Abelkader back as soon as Thursday. Uh, So starting to get healthy right out of the break. If for some reason those guys don't play uh, tonight or Thursday night, I would fully expect them to be ready post all-star break. Uh, And, you know, Trevor Daly is another one that they could get back uh, Thursday as well or after the break. And while he hasn't contributed much offensively this year, uh, he definitely helps uh, defensively on their blue line. So uh, getting healthy at the right time, got your goaltending starting to pick up as well. Uh, Detroit could be on, on a serious upswing here in the coming days. And up next, we talked about the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, look, if Patrick Maroon is really being shopped around, he's done himself a huge favor, and the Oilers too, by ramping up things offensively. He's got four goals and one assist since moving back to the top line four games ago. Uh, this guy's always fared well on that top unit. There's a couple of guys that have tried and struggled there, so I'd like to see him stay. And uh, the whole move was necessitated by uh, the fact that Ryan Nugent Hopkins has Kraft Gribbs. He'll be out for four to six weeks. So that means Leon Dreisaitl slides back into that second-line center role, as we expected. And I think that uh, I, I like the mix there because Puyarvi and Lucic are also on that unit. That gives them some toughness and some speed, uh, a nice mix around a guy who's a pretty good playmaker and a, a total package in Dreisaitl there. So the second unit at Edmonton, which will avoid top checkers, is, uh, is a place that I'll be looking for some value in the next few weeks. Well, one option maybe tonight in, in DFS play, uh, I'm not going to use him. I, I'm not totally sold yet, but Cam Talbot has back-to-back wins. That includes a win over Vegas, uh, which not a lot of teams have done. He's going to face off uh, most likely against Buffalo tonight. It's not confirmed that he's going to start, but he's kind of the expected goalie right now. And so could get himself a, a three-game win streak here. Might be a ni- nice little stretch that he could start put together get some confidence back, which has been seriously lacking for him. Uh, so with his price being down because of all of his struggles, I believe he's coming in at just 7,800 tonight, at least on FanDuel, probably going to see similar price range, uh, you know, uh, on DraftKings and other sites as well. Uh, but Cam Talbot uh, definitely could be uh, a DFS option tonight. And you may want to consider turning to him in season long as well. I'd wait a little bit longer just to see if he's shaken off whatever was bothering him. Uh, but he seems to be trending in the right direction right now. And a goalie that's trending in the wrong direction, James Reimer for Florida, finally got subbed out after allowing 11 goals in a three game span. But Harry Sateri came in uh, in relief and they finally gave him a start. Didn't look too good, didn't go so well with four goals against unlimited shots. So they're all both looking over their shoulder, wondering when Bobby Lou gets back. It won't be till early February, it turns out. So the goaltending situation in Florida where it bears some watching here and it's part of a possible thing that could drag this team down after a nice little run that they had. Up front, Nick Bugstad's long scoreless drought has seen him move off the top six uh, forward ranks and now he's playing third line minutes and uh, Malgin is the guy that's moved up to the second unit and I like the fact that he's got five shots on goal in his last two games that's up from what he's done in recent weeks but he's got a better opportunity and a guy that will uh, will have the white light shine upon him and keep an eye on in the next little while well I think we also need to talk about uh, Evgeny Dadanov 
rolling right now. He's got a point in six consecutive games, eight total over that stretch. Uh, shots on goal is phenomenal. 22 over there. So that's slightly uh, almost four, uh, about three and a half per game. And so that you can't complain about that either. He's obviously a, a top line option here for them. So getting that assignment with Barkov and Huberto, uh, we've seen it, it shift a little bit, seen that move up, move down. Um, but I, I do think ultimately he's going to earn himself that kind of locked in spot. Huberto, Barkov, Dadnoff should be uh, your Panthers top line going forward at, at this point in the season. In Los Angeles, there's a couple of notes here that are linked together. Jeff Carter has started skating on his own, and I think it's notable that his former line mates, Pearson and Lewis, are back together on a second line. Maybe they're getting ready to welcome him back there sooner rather than later, but he certainly his absence has been longer than initially expected. And the value of Kempe at center is probably on the downside, so if you've got him, this might be a good time to deal him because his role is going to wind down. He's going to be in bottom six minutes when Carter comes back, so a good time to sell higher than you might normally on Adrian Kempe's situation. Tyler DeFoley, I think, should be a top six guy here. Currently not rated there, though, and not lining up there. He's playing third line right wing and has a goal, even though he's been getting lots of shots on goal in his last six games. I think that dam is about to burst, and uh, he shouldn't be in the third line role much longer. Yeah, I love that call by you, Paul, and Toffoli. Uh, I would definitely keep utilizing him based on those shots on goal. Uh, the floodgates will eventually open. Maybe he just needs to get a, get a dirty one, uh, you know, and, and that'll be the, the catalyst for the rest of it. Uh, fortunately, it looks like Jonathan Quick may have shaken off whatever ever was bothering him. He lost five straight games uh, to, to some quality teams, obviously, Nashville, Anaheim, Pittsburgh in there. Um, but got the win over the Rangers, uh, over the weekend. And so hopefully that's kind of the, the impetus for him to start, uh, getting back on track. I think the reintroduction of Jeff Carter into the lineup will only help, uh, him, uh, you know, start to put together some wins again after that kind of, uh, unfortunate losing streak he went through. Minnesota got a nice win last night uh, with Alex Stalock and goal over Ottawa. Uh, Nino Niederreiter, though, out of the lineup again with a lower body injury. It's time to cut bait on this guy, AJ. He's in and out of the lineup like the toilet seats go up and down in my house. Uh, <laughs> it makes me wonder if, if it's related to the, the current injury, is related to his previous injury, and may bother him the rest of the way. It's, he's just not a guy I can trust right now. Can't seem to stay healthy this year. Meanwhile, Zach Parise notched. Uh, his first goal in his eighth game uh, but, but he got in a second one last night too so I think he's about ready to turn things around he's averaging almost 33 almost three shots on goal uh, over the time that he's been back in the lineup and the fact that he's showing more involvement is a steady rise is in his hits and block shots so he's really involved in the game like you like to see your top players going uh, seems like he's finally ready to get into that groove and a guy that you should be all in on in uh, DFS play well, another guy to be all in on, in my opinion, Mikhail Granlin, uh, 16 points in the last 12 games, uh, four power play goals over that stretch, almost uh, 39 shots on goal as well. So up over that three mark. And for me, that's that's kind of the threshold that I want to see uh, over an extended stretch of time. For me, if it's over three, uh, it means that they're putting pucks on the net on a pretty consistent basis. Yes, you might have the occasional guy who you know goes off for high sevens one night and zero the next. 
but if that shots on goal is right above three, that's kind of what I'm looking for uh, in in a player to kind of target. So uh, just a little bit of a tip from me uh, in at least what I'm keying in on for, for DFS contest. And Michael Granlin is certainly fitting the bill and uh, producing to show for it as well. Yeah, that's a guy that I had in uh, targeted in season long player at the beginning of the year a guy that was largely underrated despite leading this club in scoring, and he looks like he's in that kind of form right now. In Montreal, meanwhile, a sluggish Montreal offense will be without two more pieces as Andrew Shaw and Philip Deneau are dealing with lower body and head injuries respectively and are unlikely to return before the All-Star break. This will give them a chance to put Logan Shaw into the mix at right wing. Look, at this guy's not known for his uh, offense Maybe more of a PK specialist, but hey, you got to start somewhere. And he's a big body guy that flies in the face of what they've done here too. So a guy that might keep, I might keep a Spocky and I on for a little while. Pulleys will be better served though instead to watch Charles Houdon, who is more of an offense first guy, as shown by his 12 shots on goal over the last four games played. There's your three shots on goal rate, AJ. He's now playing with a red hot Max Pacioretty, who's got seven goals and one assist in the last uh, six or seven games here. So he's going well right now too. Well, I have to mention it. Uh, and, uh, Anthony Niemi gets the win over the weekend. And, and I, I have to, I have to say not an easy win either on the road against the capitals, uh, faced uh, his teammates definitely helped him out. He faced just 26 shots, uh, which is a little surprising going up against Washington, uh, gave up just two goals, got that win. Uh, so maybe that's what he needs to maybe turn the tide. Now, obviously, Carey Price is going to be the clear number one netminder in Montreal. Uh, there was no changing that. But he struggled of late. Uh, no wins in his last four games, two losses, two overtime losses, a 3.43 goals against average. So you'd like to see him hopefully get back on track as well. Um, but it's really, in my opinion, hard to kind of blame either one of these guys right now. Uh, the number of injuries plus being without Shea Weber is certainly not going to help their cause in uh, trying to, you know, get a, come away with a win on a night to night basis. In Nashville, the Preds are getting better production from Scott Hartnell, who must think he's back in 2010, <coughs> but he has three goals in his last eight games and now finds himself on the top line. If he can play with some scoring touch and the usual grit, that's a pretty fine player to plug into your lineup, but with this opportunity. Another left winger, meanwhile, Kevin Fiala, finally got rewarded for his consistent three shots on goal rate with three goals last week and seen his minutes rise uh, accordingly. These developments will likely cost uh, Pontus Aberg top six minutes as his slub continues. We called him pointless, and that uh, moniker still stands. (laughs) Ekholm, uh, meanwhile, on defense, is now dealing with an illness, and his stock, I told listeners a couple weeks ago, watch his stock fall because they're back at full strength on the blue line, and now he's nicked up. So uh, his relevance has been dampened ever since Ryan Ellis came back in the fold, and it's only going to get worse if he doesn't get healthier. Well, there has been a lot of talk about the you know, demise of, of Nick Bonino. And while I would have expected a lot more from them, uh, from him, he went through a pretty difficult, uh, mid December to mid January stretch where he had just one assist in 14 games. Well, in his last two, he's got a a one assist game against Arizona and then a three point night against Florida. So it's possible that whatever, uh, slump he was in is starting to shake off a little bit. Now it won't show up on fantasy stat sheets. So, you know, unfortunately some of our listeners uh, won't really care, but Benino offers so much more outside of just the scoring that at least from a team and a fan perspective, this is a great guy to have both in the locker room, shorthanded, 
situations he's phenomenal in. And so I really, uh, any talk of his kind of being off this year, uh, I think it's premature, uh, or, you know, uh, burned out or, you know, done, I think is definitely premature. I think he can contribute on a night to night basis. Hopefully this is a sign of that. Um, but I, I think you can't overlook what he does, uh, necessarily off the, uh, off the score sheet as well. Well, and, and a pretty good New Jersey team got their starting goalie back in the lineup after a three-game absence. Corey Schneider went back in, but he got beat in Detroit with that shutout performance you mentioned earlier. He gave up three goals for his part, but I think now that he's back, that gives more stability to this unit, a young team that counts on some support from the back end. They're pretty excited, too, about the fact that Taylor Hall is having one of the best runs of his career with 12 points in, in the seven games prior to last night, AJ. And so he, that puts him on a career-best pace, and that might surprise our listeners that the former number one didn't have a better year than, than this one, but he's on fire right now and uh, playing at better than a point per game, so happy to see that for him. Uh, he'll miss two weeks, uh, two games, though, this week with a hand injury, so uh, kind of cool your jets on him, uh, but... Uh, uh, really good player going well right now. He's playing a lot with Nico Heischer, whose production has really slowed down with only 10 points in his last 21 games. I wonder, AJ, if the rookie wall applies to this guy in uh, the New Jersey situation. It definitely seems to. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what, if, if it just was too big of a jump. I mean, you're asking, I, I get that his numbers were great, um, but you're asking a guy to basically go from the junior ranks straight to the NHL. Uh, that's a tough transition. Now, I don't think he's having a bad year. Eight goals, 20 assists is certainly a solid season. Um, but it, you know, for being as highly touted at, you know, he was a number one overall pick. You're going to expect more from that, but let's just remember, this is still a teenager. Uh, this is still a young player asking to make a pretty significant transition from one level to the next. I think we should cut him a little slack uh, yes, the numbers aren't quite there, but I, I think he will get there for sure in the years to come. Uh, uh, one injury note to mention as well, Miko Mueller appears to be trending in the right direction, could give them some more options on the blue line. Uh, I would expect him to maybe slot in over or a veteran player like Ben Lovejoy uh, once he's cleared to return. Yeah, on the island in New York area, New York Islanders, look, they have a lot of talent up front. We've talked about them all year long. I'm surprised, though, that the number one defenseman, who's a pretty good scorer normally, Nick Letty, has been limited to only two assists in his last ten games, including last night. His ice time still tops among the defensemen over here, and his shots on goal rate is down in that same span. That might be part and parcel of his issues. But uh, there's nobody else to turn to, so he's going to get every chance to, to figure things out and contribute more. I'd keep an eye on him and not give up just because of the situation he finds himself in. Up front, we pointed out that Anthony Beauvier was going to get a shot uh, at more time, and he's made the most of it, certainly, with the top six minutes he's been getting. He's got eight goals and one assist in his last seven games, including a two-spot last night, thriving on a line with Barzal and Eberle. So that's one call that we got, another call that we got right. Uh, that's why we keep telling about the new situation for some of the guys that capitalize, and Beauvillier kind of is the signature piece uh, that em- emphasizes that right now. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. 
Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Well, I want to talk about what you mentioned about Nick Letty uh, a little bit more. I think it really comes down to the injuries to Calvin DeHaan and Johnny Boychuk. You look at who Letty is being uh, paired up with. Right now, it's Scott Mayfield, who uh, if the Islanders are fully healthy, Mayfield's probably up in the press box. Uh, they've got another guy in Sebastian Ajo who would probably be in the minors if if this weren't the case. And then Ryan Pouliak uh, would be in and out of the lineup, kind of flipping with Mayfield, with Dennis Seidenberg. So they're missing some pretty significant pieces. And so I think Letty has kind of had to focus on more of the defensive side of the game. Yes, they still have Adam Pelch. Yes, they still have Thomas Hickey. But Letty just hasn't been able to contribute offensively because they need him to stay home defensively. And so I think once they get to Han back, Boychuk back, you'll see him start contributing more in the offensive zone. So to Paul's point, don't bail on him quite yet. Uh, I think it's a little early to do that, especially the fact that he's dealing with injuries right now. And over in Broadway area uh, with the Rangers, Kevin Hayes will be worth tracking here, I think, now that he's back in the lineup. He had 18 shots on goal in five January games before being sidelined and returns with a second-line role this week. The other notable top-six role is currently assigned to Pavel Buknevich, who has two goals and two assists in his last five games, playing across from a revitalized Rick Nash. Bad news on defense, though, as Kevin Shattenkirk is out indefinitely with a meniscus tear in his, in his knee, so it's going to be the offense that has to carry the day while they get things sorted out on the back end. Well, not not to sound callous about it, but is it really that bad of news that Kevin Shattenkirk's going to be out I mean, you look at his recent performances, he hasn't scored a goal since November 6th. Uh, And over that 30 game stretch, he's got just eight assists. His plus minus is eight. Uh, His shots on goal is 61. So that's just over two. Uh, And and his pet only minutes, 22. I mean, there's not much in terms of fantasy contributions that whether daily or season long that you're really getting out of Shattenkirk before he got hurt. Now, you never want to see a player get hurt, so obviously it's it's bad news. But from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not sure how many people are going to be missing him and the fact that owners should be able to move him onto their IR spot uh, and not have to try and figure out how to you know trade or make the difficult decision to drop him. Uh, it's probably a benefit, really, to fantasy owners. Hopefully, uh, this time off can give him some time to figure out what was going on with this game and come back stronger and better than ever. In Ottawa, things are going from bad to worse here, AJ. 21 goals against in the last five games, including last night, tell you all you need to know about the Sens' defensive form of late. I wonder how the Sens feel about that two-year extension to goalie Craig Anderson uh, getting $4.7 million for the next couple of years after this one, and the Fanuf deal, which has three more years at $7 million. or how about the Bobby Ryan deal at seven point two five over the next three years? A not-so-rosy future plagued by these three, three bad contracts and more. We've noted uh, also that uh, Carlson on defense, he certainly looks uninspired or upset already to me, AJ. It's just not a good situation, and I think you've got to see this get blown up in the very near future. Um, let's not forget Matt Duchesne for 6 million as well, uh, next year. So it it definitely looks like this is a club that just doesn't have the money to even pay a guy, uh, like Eric Carlson, what he's going to want. I mean, you look at where Carlson's at right now, $6.5 million. I have to imagine when they get to that contract point, 
he's going to be asking for upwards of eight, nine, uh, probably going to want to be the highest played player on the team. Uh, the fact that he's third highest right now is very interesting uh, just to see it from that standpoint. So yeah, a lot of bad contracts. Now injuries are kind of the key here. Johnny Oduye is on IR. He's week to week. Nate Thompson is supposed to be out and Pajot both expected to be out until after the all-star break. Mark Stone dealing with an injury again. Uh, and so it's just everything is really falling apart for this club. And so it exasperates the existing bad contract situation. If they're, if they were healthy, you might not really think about it, might not be too concerned about it, but the injuries just, as you said, Paul, making it go from bad to worse. And in Philadelphia, the storylines have changed, flipped from recent years. We used to focus on the troubles on the blue line and in goal. They've got those areas sorted out, so it's the offense that's caught my eye in the last couple of weeks. And a couple of weeks ago, we forecast the opportunity for Travis Konechny on the top unit. He's made good on that situation, nine points in his last ten games. But the shuffling has continued below the top unit with Valtteri Filpola stepping in as the second center with with, uh, two goals and three assists in his last five games, rather. And he's meshing well with uh, Jakub Voracek, who has been a star for this team wherever he's played. He's been moving around to kind of fix things wherever he's been. And the guy who should benefit from joining these two playmakers is Michael Raffle, who's now got three goals and two assists in his last eight games. So the second line seems to be in order as well as that hot first line. (coughs) These moves have allowed rookie Nolan Patrick to play more low leverage minutes as a third line center, and he's improved his shot on goal rate to two per game. That's higher than it was earlier on, so we're looking for small gains from the second overall pick who is starting to find his way and I think is a guy to keep an eye on and uh, listen if there's some people that are getting sick of him or wondering if he's a bust certainly not in my opinion there's a guy that I would target if somebody's ready to give up on him yeah I I guess to our our point before about Nico Hersher if anybody wants to give uh, grief uh, to Hersher and is concerned about his numbers definitely look at Nolan Patrick I mean both in the same situation, both teenagers, both expected to make a big jump. And it's just not happening. I think it's it's an expectation situation that everybody now, when you're a one or two pick, is supposed to apparently be Sidney Crosby, uh, Austin Matthews right away. It's just not the way it works. Uh, those guys are, uh, you know, the exceptions to the rule. And so, yeah, Nolan Patrick, yes, just nine points on the year to Paul's to what Paul's getting at here it it seems like a bust year but way too early to go down that road uh and I think less responsibility to your point Paul uh less you know tasks that he has to worry about a third line role I think will suit him and hopefully get his game going and then maybe once he starts uh producing starts get going they can move him back up to the second line or or even the first line at that point and in Pittsburgh, they're moving things around on their top six again. So you need to know that Connor Sheary's back with at right wing on Sidney Crosby's line. That's a great move. Those guys have had a good chemistry whenever they've been together. Sheary's minutes are up, and he's already scored since that reunion over the last couple of games as well. Meanwhile, Daniel Sprong went pointless over his last four games on that top line and is now out of the forward mix almost entirely, getting a view from the press box, even though Brian Rust is out with an injury. Instead, they've brought up John Sebastian Day. wonder if you know anything about him, AJ. I don't know too much. But he's likely only going to get a fourth-line center role. In goal, they have to be thrilled that Matt Murray is back with the team following his father's uh, passing, and he should get the start tonight if all things uh, are pointing in that direction at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to your point about D, uh, nine goals, 14 assists in 36 uh, minor league games this season. Uh, highly touted prospect coming out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, at least should have been. Uh, went undrafted, had 75 points in his last season there. Now, I suppose uh, for most Quebec uh, kind of high touted prospects, you're looking in the hundreds. So maybe that's why he flew under the radar a little bit. Um, but some great numbers has spent some time in the Penguins organization in the last several years, primarily in the minors, made his NHL NHL debut last season. I think what he offers more than anything else, though, for this club is the fact that by bringing him up in favor of a guy like Sprong, who they sent down to the minors yesterday, is moving Jake Gensel back to wing rather than having him at center. So until counter Carter Rowney gets healthy, I would expect day to stick with the team uh, for the time being. Uh, and yeah, the lines are going to be pretty fluid. I think on a night to night basis, uh, Simone and Shiri with Crosby right now, Patrick Hornquist could always make the jump up there. Uh, Kessel's a wild card as well. Uh, you know, whether he right now continuing to be in the third line, but could, uh, slot in with Malkin. So, Uh, A lot of things going well for the team right now. Six wins in their last nine games. And most of that was done without Matt Murray. Uh, So getting Murray back into the lineup will be huge for them. Uh, I think they're ready to kind of turn the corner. I would expect big things out of this club post All-Star break. In San Jose, Marty Jones' uneven play of late has now morphed into an undisclosed injury, but he's already been outplayed of late by Aaron Dell, so there's not been much of a uh, goaltending drop-off. Dell, for his part, has had six outstanding outings in his last seven appearances. I have little doubt he'll play out the season and be an attractive piece as a pending UFA, given that he's playing out that deal, and I think it's league minimum, actually. But he's also proven to be a great insurance while the number one guy gets his game sorted out. And look, on defense, we knew... Brett, Brett Burns would pick things up and offensively, and he has. But how about uh, Mark Edward Vlasic? He's got eight points in his last ten games. We've talked often about how the defense starts most of the offensive rushes uh, for most teams, but this team, it's really critical that these guys get it right and they stay involved, and, and these two guys are doing it in style. And so San Jose's scoring potential looks very positive as long as these two guys are hitting on all cylinders right now. Yeah, Paul, to your point about Aaron Dell, uh, just pulled it up. They brought up uh, Troy Grosnick uh, just to kind of cover uh, if Martin Jones is unable to go. Well, Grosnick's going to get six hundred and fifty a uh, thousand for the season. Now, obviously, when he's in the NHL, but that's his salary. Dell's is six twenty-five, so he's actually making less than the guy they brought up to be the backup. He definitely will be in line, I think, for a huge payday. Uh, in the offseason, probably going to be, I would guess, similar actually to what Martin Jones has right now. Uh, this season, Jones uh, for three million. Now he signed an extension moving forward that'll pay him significantly more. But Dell probably will cash in right around that. And to that end, I wouldn't be surprised to see Aaron Dell on kind of the trade uh, block here. You know, San Jose could use a couple more pieces, a little bit of depth. Scoring, I think, would really help them. And Dell could really help shore up a, a net mining situation uh, that has some injuries or, you know, needs kind of a change of pace. So don't be surprised to see Dell move before the year's out. And look, and I've been waiting on uh, Paul Stashley to catch fire for the St. Louis Blues because Braden Chen has been holding the fort down the middle there. He's been more productive of late, though. Three goals and six assists in his last eight games to take some of the pressure off Shen right now. And opposing coaches have to really pick their poison about who they're going to shadow with their best defenders and best defensive pair. 
in that way. In goal, Carter Hutton was pulled in his last start after wrestling control of the starting gig away from Jake Allen in recent weeks. It looks like the presumptive number one will get another chance to regain a larger share of the net, but I think the leash will be a short one if he doesn't bounce back from his recent slump. Uh, the goaltending situation, really the issue to watch here. Both guys have played well in stretches this year, so it's kind of who has the hot hand will run with it. So keep an eye on that in your daily lineups. Another thing to keep an eye on, Jaden Swartz potentially returning uh, to the lineup as early as Thursday. Uh, he took some uh, rushes with the second power play unit at practice. Uh, I would expect him to potentially unseat a guy like uh, uh, Ivan Barbashev from the top line spot. And so you'd finally look at having Schwartz, Stasny, and Tarasenko together on a line, then Steen, Shen, and uh, either Barbashev, Jaskin, maybe even Vladimir Sabaka on the second line. And so really going to get a nice addition back to the lineup uh, as soon as they get him back. If it's not Thursday, I'm I'm expecting post-All-Star break for sure for Jaden Swartz to come back and will really help this team hopefully get uh, things rolling. And in Tampa, look, last night they had a, a matchup against Chicago that would normally be a marquee matchup, but both teams went into that one struggling. And the 2-0 score in, is indicative of offenses that are not really hitting right now. Tampa got the win, Vasilevsky got the shutout. But the Bolts have floundered badly in the face of their first adversity before that game. They lost four games and allowed 18 goals in that stretch while without Victor Hedman. But they righted the ship at least on one night. You can also add the fact that Andre Palat is out of the lineup with an injury that's going to keep him out for six to eight weeks. So that's disrupting the offense as well. They gave Chris Kunitz a shot last night and he rewarded them with a goal right away. I wonder if he keeps that role in the next little while. If he doesn't fare too well they've got Yanni Gordon reserve as a guy who may currently have a better offensive upside long term so that's a situation to watch for sure uh, and uh, we also note that the Bruins are reading down their necks this is the first time we really see pressure on the Bolts and I'm going to be curious to see how they they react to that in the next few weeks yeah I mean you can't you can't understate the absence of Victor Hedman uh, who's on IR uh, but this club should have enough talent to to have avoided uh, that, as you point out, really significant uh, slump of poor performances. Uh, I do think Chris Kunitz should at least stay in in a top six role. Uh, you know, yes, he's lost a step. Yes, he's gotten a little bit older. But over that time, he's also gotten a little bit smarter. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a four-time Stanley Cup champion. He knows what needs to be done both on the ice and off the ice. I think a top six role for him will well suit his game. I think he can add a little bit of grit to, to a Stamkos and Nemesikov line uh, and can get to the front of the net and screen netminders to allow those other twos, two guys to get some, uh, some clear shots. And so I, I think he's a great addition to that line. Whether he stays there or not is obviously – a decision to be made by coach John Cooper. But for my money, I would definitely leave him there. And in Toronto, look at a malign defense core will likely now be without Morgan Riley for the next two games. At least this week, he's on the IR backdated to uh, the injury that he sustained a couple of games ago. Uh, he'll be back right after the all-star break, they hope. And so will Nikita Zaitsev. So that will be good news for a, a defense core that right now features four guys that have very little experience in the league and, and Jake Gardner. So talk about wafer thin, man. It doesn't get much thinner <laughs> than that right now. Up front, I'm thrilled that the, they've shaken things up a little bit. Connor Brown is off the fourth line. 
and Mitch Marner has moved up as well. So they're getting the scorers in more of a scoring circumstance. Freddie Gauthier uh, on the defensive side of, uh, of things uh, as a fourth-line centre has not looked out of place bumping Dominic Moore from that uh, role. But I like to see Moore back in there because Gauthier offers very little offensive push. Moore has an offensive upside there. So there's a couple of moves still remaining on this club that I'd like to see, of course, Everybody's waiting in Toronto to see which defensemen are they going to bring into this mix because they certainly have to add something on the blue line. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Coach Mike Babcock's uh, comments about Morgan Riley being out, uh, basically saying, uh, jokingly, obviously, but uh, it avoided him having to make a decision between which young player came out, Travis Dermott or Andreas Borgman. Uh, I, I think for my money right now, uh, based on what I'm seeing, I think Borgman would be the better option to leave in the lineup. Um, but certainly I wouldn't begrudge, you know, I wouldn't, uh, be sounding, you know, alarms to, to light the torches and grab the pitchforks. If he went with Travis Dermott instead, I think either guy can offer, uh, a, a good contribution. Uh, but to your point, Paul, uh, it's going to get better, uh, worse before it gets better with Riley out. You know, Nikita Zaitsev is, is still out. Uh, and is continues to deal with a lingering injury when he's going to be back, I think remains uh, pretty vague right now. So uh, uh, a very thin blue line is going to put the pressure on Freddie Anderson, who's already seeing more pucks than any other goal goalie in the league. Uh, I think it's only going to get worse and make his job that much harder. In Vancouver, the Sedins have announced a desire to come back next year, posing a potential public relations issue for a club that has turned the page and inserted a new coach and plenty of young talent up front. I'll be curious to see how that winds up for sure. It probably doesn't get addressed until the offseason, though. On the ice, they got good news in that Bo Horvat is back on the top line after an injury absence and Renat... Reunited him with Berchi and Bozer, a line that was on fire early on in the first half. And it'll be interesting to see if the two guys that were out can keep up with Bozer, who has had a fantastic year. Uh, this, and then another guy to, wa- to lo- watch for, I'll give him his props. I don't do that very often with Thomas Vanek, but he looks like a guy who's got a grip on the, on the final position on the wings with the Sedins. And they're, uh, as you might expect, not getting the first line uh, defensive treatment against them uh, with top defenders. And so look for him to continue his offensive upside, but that plus minus is still a wretched uh, minus 17. So not doing you any favors if plus minus is a factor, but Vanek with the Sedins is a pretty good mix right now. Well, here's the one thing I'll say about uh, re-signing the Sedins. Obviously, they're not going to get a combined 14 million between the two of them. I, I think perhaps a combined 7 million wouldn't be outrageous. Uh, the one thing, while Vancouver is hard up against the cap right now, the one nice part for them is a lot of their young guys are still under con- are under contract for a long term, and so they don't have to worry. Uh, they're not trying to use that Sadim money to so- re-sign a lot of guys. Horvat's uh, under contract through the 22-23 season. Uh, Berchi is probably the one guy who needs to get paid here. Uh, he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Bozier eventually is going to need an extension, but he's still under his uh, ELC into next season. And so another year uh, for those guys, I would think maybe a combined $7 million between the two wouldn't be outrageous. Uh, obviously you'd like to pay them a little bit less, maybe 2 million each, but we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, but I don't think they're in a terrible, uh, you know, cap situation right now to have to pay those guys a little bit more for a little bit longer and avoid to your point, the PR nightmare. 
Well, for a couple of days, we got to look at the newspaper and see the league's lone expansion club atop the entire NHL standings. With Tampa's win last night, they got bumped to number two. Look, at the Jack Adams Award for the best coach should be in the mail already to Gerard Gallant. We highlighted him a couple of weeks ago. We've also highlighted the on-ice on talent from top to bottom. They all just keep doing what they've been doing all year, and that's stun opponents and stun all onlookers. I have no words, AJ, and I wonder if it's time that we put the call out to friend of the show, Daniel Legrano at Real Kid Poker, to help us out and, and really bring to light what the heck is going on in Vegas to make this team such an <laughs> exceptionally good team and a great story. Yeah, that's a that's a good call, Paul. Just to see uh, what he's seeing on the ice. Uh, are, are our eyes deceiving us, or, or is is you know are we seeing uh, a product? We've talked about the defense overproducing uh, beyond what we would have expected them. The pieces on offense, uh, guys seem to be clicking very well. Uh, March Assault, Neil Perron, uh, all top scores at, at one point or another, uh, and continuing to do it here uh no doubt in my mind that they have one of the best netminders of all time uh in the pipes there and he's living up to everything that they thought they were getting uh when they took him uh at the start of the season so yeah it, i expect uh as soon as they play their next game they'll uh take over that top spot over tampa it'll probably be a back and forth between these two clubs who's got the number one spot for the president's trophy for much of the rest of the season. And in Washington, I've been calling for the return of Andre Burakovsky to a top six <coughs> role. That uh, has been has happened now, and he's partnered with super playmaker Nick Backstrom while Kuznetsov gets a turn with Ovechkin. So we kind of flipped uh, things with Ovi's partner here. I expect these offensive pairings to flip more and more uh, before too long, but I eventually will would expect to see Kuznetsov and Burakovsky partnered and Backstrom and Ovechkin when they get ready for the play playoffs for sure. And so keep an eye on them to see what, what the mix is when you're making your DFS picks. I'm expecting that Ovi will still... Uh, inflate the value of his uh, playmaking center, w whichever one it is. And their forward depth is also buoyed by the fact that Lars Lindgren, Lars Eller, is, rather, is hot again with five goals in his last seven games, giving him great scoring support from the third unit. Uh, the Smiths-Pelly experiment in the top six, though, has been shelved once again. Yeah, and it definitely should be. I think that's a, a good decision by the team. Uh, one kind of interesting thing of late, uh, Braden Holpe, uh, three straight losses for him. And it's been kind of like a back and forth lately uh, in Washington. Uh, he, you know, sat a game, played a game, sat, played, sat, played. Uh, kind of interesting to see a kind of goalie split going on right now. And you really have to wonder if this is geared towards keeping him fresher in the postseason. Now, two of, the, two of those three losses were overtime losses. So still getting his club a point. Grubauer has been decent in those outings, not great, uh, but uh, for a guy that you know throughout his career has been the ultimate workhorse, playing long, long stretches of games, to see them go into January uh, and basically take a one-on-one -on -one off approach is very different from what we've seen from them in the past. I don't think it's a terrible move as long as Holby can kind of get out of this. Uh, little kind of mini losing streak that he's in. Hopefully it's not because he's on and off. Uh, Cause I think ultimately the rest will definitely help them in the postseason. 
And in Winnipeg only, the incredible maiden voyage of the Golden Knights has obscured the great season by the Jets, a team that I've long said has the quickest group of big men in the league. If I allow myself, I'm happiest about the play of one Tyler Myers, whose career got sidetracked by a number of injuries in recent years. And in the beginning of the year, I said this guy, if he could stay healthy, might be a real surprise among defensive scorer, defenseman scoring. And he is. Uh, he's been that way. He's a very capable two-way defender. And clearly, he's clear of the peers on his team actually leading the pack of defensemen by five points and not getting the coverage that Truba and Bufflin have received all year long in the media. So quietly going about his business and, and returning very well for those who believed in him. In addition, Connor Hellybuck continues to roll along with two wins and only one goal against last week. He's been a great story in goal uh, for fantasy owners who picked him up. Well, what I also think is really interesting is that this team is 7-2-1 and one in their last 10 games. Uh, if you're wondering why that's significant, the last 10 games have been without Mark Shifley. Uh, and so they're continuing to roll without their, their you know, leader of their team. So when they get him back, it's only going to become that much more dangerous of a club. Now, interesting to note, Blake Wheeler on a little bit of a goal slump after really starting out strong in as a replacement. No goals in six games, but still has five assists over that stretch. Three of those coming on the power play as well. Uh, and so they're still continuing to find a way uh, to win, even without Shifley. They've also got injuries to Adam Lowry, Sean Mathias. So it's starting to stretch them a little bit at forward. Uh, but I don't anticipate any real long-term impact here. Uh, I think they'll be just fine. Connor Hellubuck's been phenomenal uh, over that stretch, even earning the second star of the week last week. And so this is a team doing great without a player like Mark Shifley. You can only imagine how well they're going to do once they have him back. And uh, it's time to switch gears a little bit, AJ, a little football talk. With the football season winding down at FanDuel, we remind you that uh, they also have great daily games all season round. For, and so that means their focus for the next few weeks will be basketball and hockey until the Major League season begins in late March. Uh, in terms of the football experience, we're winding things up. The conference finals took place in the NFC. It was a rout by Philly over Minnesota at home. I didn't really expect that. And then another great fourth quarter, quarter comeback by the Pats to eliminate the Jaguars. Both teams that won were number one seeds at the beginning of this playoff sequence, and uh, they're headed to the 52nd Super Bowl. But really, AJ, is there anyone on the planet who doesn't think the Pats will win this thing again? I mean, outside of Philly, probably not. Uh, I, I really thought that Minnesota game would be a lot more competitive. Uh, they've been a tough team all season long. I expected it to be more like what we saw out of the AFC game, uh, you know, a, a, a late close game. I mean, by the time that game got to about midway through the third quarter, it was pretty much you didn't need to really watch it anymore. Minnesota wasn't really showing any life that made you think that they were going to come back uh, and storm their way back into the game. Now, look, I'm not by any means a huge Patriots backer. Uh, but I simply just can't cheer for a team coming out of Philadelphia. Uh, so for me, uh, uh, in two weeks, I'm going to be rooting for Brady and company uh, as much as watching them get their uh, sixth uh, title 
uh, in franchise history isn't exactly what I was hoping for as the season started. Uh, I, I just can't cheer for Philadelphia. And we've seen a lot, we've seen a lot of high-scoring games. Don't mind me there. We've seen a lot of high-scoring games in the Super Bowl. This one could be a low-scoring affair, though. Two real good defenses. This look, everybody wrote about a comeback by Brady, blah, blah, blah. But the New England defense shut down the Vikings offense almost completely and uh, made the field position game really uh, swing into New England's favor that fourth quarter, making life easier for their comeback. So really, that defense uh, shone brightly, and the Philadelphia defense has won one of the best in the league for a few years now, and they've been just doing more of the same of late. So it should be a low-scoring game, but, you know, we'll see what we, we see. Instead, uh, we'll focus on the fact that over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel, so why don't you join in, folks? To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw. Visit fanduel.com slash rw, as I said. Contests are void where prohibited. Let's get into our DFS segment, AJ. Why don't you go through the uh, first half of the schedule? There's 12 games, so I'll give you a breather, and I'll take the second half of the schedule. All right. All right. Sounds good. So, yeah, the early games, uh, you got the Devils coming off a back-to-back. They're at Boston, uh, 7 o'clock start for that one. Carolina at Pittsburgh. Uh, that'll be the game that I'm obviously watching tonight and very interested to see. Colorado, another team coming off a back-to-back, travels to Montreal. Uh, Philadelphia, the Flyers at Detroit. You got the Red Wings coming in off a of back-to-back. So a lot of back-to-back games tonight. I think that's important to note, not only uh, for making sure you have the right goalie in, uh, but picking the right team. I probably wouldn't use a whole lot of uh, Devils against a fresh Boston. Uh, getting into the 8 o'clock games, you've got Ottawa, another team coming off a of back-to-back. They'll travel to St. Louis. And then probably one of the the premier matchups of the night in my opinion is tampa bay at nashville eight o'clock uh so that's kind of the early lineup paul what do you got for the late half well we got florida visiting dallas the homestanding club they're a heavy favorite in that one tonight reimer and bishop the expected goalie matchup we got uh, buffalo on a back-to-back they're traveling to edmonton so they're going to be in tough robin leonard will get the start for buffalo against cam talbot as you mentioned earlier uh, goaltending for the homestanding Oilers they're a heavy favorite in that one then we've got uh, West Coast rivals LA and Vancouver meeting in Vancouver a 10 o'clock start Columbus at Vegas and they're the sacrificial lamb for the Golden Knights tonight you wonder if the Knights do wind up in first place overall after the proceedings this evening the Rangers at Anaheim on that western trip uh, enjoying life in, in California for a while but they'd like to come away with two points Winnipeg on fire, as you said, against a San Jose team whose goaltending is in a little disarray. That's a bad time for them to be facing a hot team like the Jets. That's a 10-30 start. And the Jets, even though they're on the road, they are a narrow underdog. I'd like like to take the underdog in this one. AJ, uh, for me, I I obviously want to keep an eye on the Vegas situation for the great story they continue to write. But I'm also going to be curious to see how Eichel and uh, McDavid fare, two of the top talents in the league it seems to bring out the best in Eichel when he gets a matchup like this so even though they're on the second and back-to-backs I want to see what he throws up against the Oilers in that tilt and then look at Ottawa's struggles they also have my attention because they're a Leaf rival so I'll be watching them in St. Louis as well those are the three games that I'll be keeping an eye on it's time to put uh, our uh, money where our mouths are Uh, AJ your lineups and DFS play tonight please 
All right. Well, for me, I'm going to go with the full on heavy penguin stack here right off the top. Don't be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I like the matchup at home against Carolina. Uh, net mining has been a little bit of a, a struggle of late there. Well, I should say Scott Darling net mining has been a little bit of a struggle of late there. Uh, whereas, uh, Ward has been a little more consistent, but, uh, to that end, I'm going to use both of the big guns there in wow. Pittsburgh Crosby for 9,100 Malkin for 8,500. Yes. It's a big high cost, but these guys are rolling, uh, on and firing on all cylinders. And I expect that to continue. Uh, for, for wings, uh, my top price, obviously I spent up, uh, at center. So my top price guy in the wing is Jonathan March assault for, uh, 6,900 golden Knights playing at home against Columbus, who again is another team that's been a little shaky of late. So I like the matchup as well. He's, uh, another guy really rolling, uh, uh, right now, Evgeny Dadanoff for Florida 5,000. Now I want to bring in real quick, a little bit of an advanced statistic here. Uh, Rotowire's got our NHL advanced lineup page, and it shows you kind of a breakdown of individual stats and stuff like that. Dadnov has an individual Corsi right now of 6.8, and his individual Corsi 4. So if you take out uh, the minuses that he would get for when other teams are on the ice, is 14.6. So this is a guy firing the puck a lot. Uh, and so. I really like that out of him and he's firing the puck a lot and not allowing other teams to do it very much. The only other player on his team with a higher individual Corsi right now is Jonathan Huberdeau at 8.2. So getting Dadanoff for just $5,000, I think is a great fit for your lineup. Uh, Dallas is a tough team right now, but I think uh, Dadanoff should still be able to contribute. Going from there, Matthew Peralt, 4,300. He's in a second line role uh, with uh, uh, Shifley out. And then Ivan Barbashev, 3,600 for St. Louis. They're facing Ottawa, who's been struggling. Barbashev currently getting that first line assignment. So that's a really low cost for for a guy on a top line. Defensively, I'm going to go with some guys that consistently get points even when they don't score. Colton Pareko, 4,800. Again, taking advantage of that St. Louis-Ottawa matchup. And then Mark Edward Vlasic, 4,200. Yes, they're facing off against Winnipeg tonight. It's a tough out. Um, but he's been finding ways to contribute even if he's not scoring, although he has been scoring of late. He's got two goals and two assists in his last three games, putting shots on goal, blocking shots. His last two games, he's got 14 block shots. So a guy finding other stats to to contribute and bolster. And then going with Marc-Andre Fleury tonight, 8,500. Love the matchup uh, against Columbus. I was a little scared to take, you know, some of the other higher price guys. Vasilevsky's up against Nashville. Lundqvist is facing Anaheim. Rask, I think, should get the win, but that price tag of 9,200 just a little too high for me with my uh, Crosby Malkin stack. So for me, at 8,500, Mark Andre Fleury, best value for best matchup, and he's been playing great uh, anyway. So that's what I did with my lineup. Paul, uh, looks like you took maybe a little different approach than the high center stack that I did. <laughs> I did, but I found pretty good value. I've made the case for most of the guys that I'll talk about, so I'll go through this pretty quickly. Patrice Bergeron for $8,200. I saved money on the two guys that you picked, and I get the guy <laughs> who's the hottest scorer in the league in the past month. I'll do that every time. And I'll back him with Paul Stastny, who's figured things out offensively too. I think Shen still gets the top checkers. From Ottawa, and that means that they have got very little left to contend with the second tier of uh, St. Louis scorers. St. Louis gets the last change tonight, too, so we'll see how that plays out. He also gets power play minutes. 
in uh, Philadelphia Detroit game, I like Andreas Athanasiu a lot. This guy's vaulted his way into the top six, and he's playing top line power play minutes. Forty nine hundred dollars, all at cost against a Philadelphia team that uh, is not uh, going to scare Detroit tonight. I think Detroit has their game in order of late, and uh, they take advantage of the Flyers tonight. Evgeny Dadanov, you mentioned him, and you sold me in that matchup against Dallas. I'll take him as the visitor for five thousand dollars, playing first line minutes and really playing with two good guys who cost a lot more than that. So I'll take their wingman and hope that he produces. And another guy who fits that bill is Patrick Maroon, playing again on the top line with Connor McDavid, $5,800 for him. McDavid costs a heck of a lot more, but Maroon's going to be on the ice with him all night long, so I love that matchup. And then Patrick Laine for the Jets. Uh, I don't pick him very often because of the animosity I have for him against Austin Matthews. I'll say that uh, dating back <laughs> to last year, but uh, I'll, I'll show a bit of a soft spot for a guy who's scoring well right now on a team that's on fire against San Jose, and I think he carries the flag tonight for $7,400, my most expensive forward other than the center from Boston. And then on defense, I have two guys that are kind of the linchpins of the respective units. Darnell Nurse playing a good all-around game, $4,600 a bargain tonight against the visiting Buffalo Sabres. And then Justin Falk, I mentioned him as a guy who's getting a lot of shots on goal, a lot of ice time, and still top-line minutes, top-line on the power play. He's going to make life miserable for you tonight, AJ, and <laughs> Penguins, for $4,500. That's my call. And then in goal, I'm going to take Pekka Rinne. He gets the Tampa Lightning on the second of back-to-backs, though they should be pretty excited about the fact they pulled him off over Chicago. I wonder what they're going to do in net tonight because Vasilevsky went in net last night, and Louis Domingue has been called up, so I wonder if he gets the start, and that makes this matchup altogether more attractive for me. Uh, curious to know what the optimizer has in store. I'm sure it's covering a few players that we've covered off in the show. Yeah, just a handful tonight, actually. Uh, actually uh, if I look again, it, it appears to be actually just one. Uh, we'll get into that in a second here. Uh, Jack Eichel, the starting center for Buffalo. Optimizer saving more money than either of us at the center position. He's 7600 Pairs that up with Jordan Stahl, who is the first of a four-player Carolina stack for the optimizer tonight. Uh, $5,400 for him. Pays up big, though, for Nikita Kucherov. 8,700 going up against Nashville. Then two more uh, Hurricanes and Jeff Skinner at 5,800. Justin Williams at 4,400. Goes back to Buffalo up against Edmonton with Sam Reinhart, 3,800. Pretty good value for a guy playing on the top power play unit right now. Defensively, it's going to go high low with Eric Carlson for Ottawa, 7,600 uh, or 6,700 rather. Hard to fault you picking Carlson at any point. And then here's the one pick the optimizer did like the fourth of the Carolina stack, Justin Falk, 4,500. So a tip to tip of the cap to Paul from the optimizer on that one. And then in goal, it likes Jake Allen tonight against Ottawa, 7,900. That's one I seriously would have uh, did consider briefly. Uh, the matchup there should be strong. Again, I don't love that the optimizer is going to use Carlson, but then also Allen. So I would probably change that up a little bit, but certainly uh, an argument could be made for Jake Allen uh, being in a good matchup. If it's him, you could also see Carter Hutton tonight. Uh, so that's another point to check back the starting goalie grid on Rotowire. And we, that's a great point, AJ. Don't forget to check out our daily pods, too, from Monday to Friday. Even though the football season's winding down, we'll continue to cover all four major North American sports all year round. That means a heavy dose of hockey and foot, uh, basketball in the next few weeks in our DFS pods, where we'll highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. 
it's time for the stud of the week, and AJ, I'm going to fire a shot across, across your bow. Uh, stud of the week for me is Nathan McKinnon of Colorado, NHL's player of the week with four goals and two helpers, including two game-winning goals. He was shut down last night by the Leafs, despite Colorado racking up that eighth straight, uh, tenth straight win. Look at this. He's got eight three-point games this year, and is certainly back among the league's elite scorers, second overall in the league's current standings, and playing like a runaway train that nobody else can contain. I got to ask my co-host: Is he the best Nova Scotia-born player in the, playing in the NHL right now? <laughs> it's not even close, Paul. Uh, Sidney Crosby continues <laughs> to be the the best player coming out of Nova Scotia. I mean, you knew that answer the minute you even thought up the question. Uh, but uh, to to the point, Nathan McKinnon has been phenomenal of late. So that's that's no shot on McKinnon. You're just trying to compare him to arguably the best player in the world right now, uh, still, and one of the most accomplished Canadian Nova Scotia players of all time. Uh, I think McKinnon certainly has, uh, you know, he's a little bit younger than Crosby, so he'll have a few extra years, uh, hasn't dealt with the injuries either. So he could certainly be right up there and obviously uh, a great pick for this week and a great young player. The two of them train together in the off season. Uh, they, they seem to get along really well. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, Nathan McKinnon really has taken the reins in Colorado uh, as their go-to player. And I will, I love to see that. I want to see more out of that going forward uh, now that he's kind of the sole face of that franchise. Right. And uh, for the rant of the week, look, we're coming up on the all-star break. It's happening 30 minutes away from where I'm staying. I have no interest in going though at all. Uh, we've already seen the five-day break for many teams disrupt schedules. And now we're looking at four to six days off for most of the clubs around the all-star break. That's way too much time off so close together fans of their home teams want to see their clubs play regularly i certainly do and i suggest they have this game at the start of the season rather in the minute than in the middle given the the way that the whole schedule has been disrupted this season uh well i i actually don't mind uh mind it um, but i'm also not a season ticket holder like like you are uh, I think it's another chance to get guys rested for the grind of the second half of the season. Uh, I think what does bother me most is that we're getting this instead of a break for the Olympics. Uh, I do love what they've done with the all-star game by making those division matchups uh, and in the skills competition, they've really grown that, uh, but it still pales in comparison for me to uh, men's, the men's ice hockey tournament at the Olympics. That's supposed to be the premier event of the Winter Olympics. Uh, for a league that's talking about growing the sport abroad, so much so that we had NHL regular season games in Sweden, they missed the boat on this entirely by not sending players to the Winter Games. So uh, I know the rant's supposed to be about the All-Star break, uh, but usually you get one or the other. You get the All-Star break or the Olympic break, uh, they made the wrong choice, in my opinion, this year. I agree with you completely. Uh, that wraps it up for this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. That's ajscholz 24 We hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL when we get together next Tuesday on the next episode of podcast so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the